0: If you would get your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter 1. Luke, chapter 1, beginning in verse 57. Been taking things pretty much through the Christmas narrative in chronological order. If you remember, of course, we had the angel who visited Zacharias and, of course, gave them the news. And then six months later, the angel came and visited with Mary. And now three other months have passed, and of course, things are getting real excited in the house of John of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth with the birth of John. Luke chapter one, verse fifty-seven. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? Luke chapter one verse fifty-seven. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No, he shall be called John. But they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father what he would have him call, And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Then fear came upon all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their heart saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved for our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us, to perform mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the whole Christmas story. and We know every chapter of this story, every passage is important. Help us to see some things in this passage that would fill our hearts with optimism and hope, and joy, and strength. And Father, help us share this with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Well, the big day has come. All the neighbors have been really amazed, of course, because Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were well stricken in years, as the old King James says, and as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, in the original language... And the Jewish custom, if you were well stricken in years, you had reached your 80s. So they were at least 80 years old. So this uh, this made quite a stir in that small community. And they all came together. And the naming of the child of Zacharias and Elizabeth is mentioned here. And this is where all this takes place. The custom, of course, this would be on the eighth day after birth. This would be in conjunction with the circumcision, which is prescribed by the law in Leviticus chapter 17. And, of course, the custom was that as they came together for this occasion, this would be when they named the child. And the child would get his official name there. Now, here's the custom. The custom of the day was a boy was often named after the father. But more often, he was named after a grandfather or some other ancestor. That was the, the custom. And so the friends and neighbors who gathered around, you had to have at least 10 witnesses for this ritual according to the law, all decided since we're here anyway, anyway, we'll name the child. So they all had them a little meeting and they decided his name will be called Zacharias. So it'll be little Zach Jr., look at him, he's there in the cradle, look at at him, he just looks like a little Zach. Well, they decided they would make the decision, and his mother rejected their little quarrel. In this passage of scripture, it says, his mother said, no, he shall be called John. Now this is in the New King James. If you've got the King James Version, it says, not so. Well, in the original Greek language, it was a very strong, very forceful no. Obviously, the Greek knew how to say no, and then they had to. You knew how to say definitely no in a polite way. Now, some of the scholars said in contemporary language, she didn't just say no. She looked at her uh, friends and neighbors and said, no way. Now, if, if it was in South Arkansas, we would say, ain't no way. that's exactly what she said. No way. She was forceful. No way his name shall be called John. As is usual. And it's even like that today. Many people don't easily accept it when God's ways don't match up with their custom. And they have a hard way, hard time conforming to God's way. Because we've always done it this way. And you've always named them after one of the... Fathers four fathers, and they said, no, that, I don't know why you're wanting to do this, Elizabeth. Nobody in your family's name is called John, and you know what customs are. This is the way we do things in this town. We're going to do it this way. So they appealed to Zacharias. Elizabeth doesn't know what she's talking about. We want to name this baby Zacharias. She doesn't want to name him Zacharias. We're going to go to, where, where's Zacharias. So they went over and found Zacharias. Obviously, Zacharias had gotten deaf as well because they made signs to him what he would be called. And he motioned and got a tablet. Now, if you thought Elizabeth was forceful, John was even more forceful because Elizabeth said his name shall be called John. Zacharias said his name is John and what those people didn't know John didn't get his name on the eighth day after birth John received his name nine months earlier from the shepherd from the angel that came to him John received his name straight from God and so he said his name is already John and they all marveled now, I mention this a lot of times in that we can technically say that when he wrote John on that tablet, that was the first inspired written word from God in 400 years because God told him his name will be John. And Zacharias wrote his name is John. He simply wrote down what God told him earlier. That's an inspired word, isn't it? And of course, you have to understand what the word John means. The word John means God is gracious, or it means grace. So the first inspired word after 400 years of silence was grace. This is quite notable if you'll notice what the last inspired word of the Old Testament is. In the last verse of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And it's speaking of this individual, John. We'll back up to verse 5. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, Behold, I will send you a lies the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The last inspired written word of the Old Testament was curse. The first inspired written word of the New Testament, grace. And you see, those two words... Give us the whole picture of salvation's plan. The significance of the name is revealed in the song of Zacharias. The difference between the curse of the law and the grace of the Savior that's to come. His father Zacharias filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Now this blew the neighbors away. He hadn't said anything in nine months. And his mouth opens up and he says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. Now, we a lot of times look at the word redemption as the same as salvation. And yes, the redemption does, of course, result in salvation. But if you look at the word redeemed, it is a very technical term. It's a technical term to purchase a slave to set them free. You see, the slave had a price. His liberty would have a price. And if that slave meant something to you and you wanted that slave to be free, then you had to go to the master of that slave and you had to buy that slave and you had to offer a price for that slave. His liberty would cost a dear price and the word redeem means to purchase the liberty for someone else. Later on, the book of Galatians chapter four, verse four, Paul would summarize this whole Christmas story. And I know a lot of times we present this verse when we look, of course, at him, the uh, couple going to Bethlehem and what was going on in the world at that time. But in Galatians chapter four, verse four, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, look at this, to redeem those who were under the law that we could receive the adoption of sons. When the fullness of time had come, here's the Christmas story, God sent forth the son born of a woman, born under the law. That's the Christmas story. And this is the rest of the story, to redeem those who were under the law. You see, the whole theology of grace is wrapped up in these words in his song. Redeemed, redemption has redeemed His people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Now, the horn of salvation. A horn was a symbol of power and victory, as in the horns of a bull. When you talk about the horn of salvation, we talk about horns as in something very strong, very powerful. And the horn of salvation has to do with the power and might of God who delivered us from our enemy. The horn of salvation. You see, the the first word, redemption, has to deal with the fact that we were slaves in sin, in prison, and God bought our freedom. Now, the second one deals with the fact that we are surrounded by an enemy. We are outnumbered, we're outgunned, things do not look good at all, Because we are powerless against the face of the enemy. And the power of God, the horn of salvation, brings us victory. And not only brings us victory, but wipes out the enemy. It says that being delivered from the hands of our enemies, we might serve him without fear in verse 74. Didn't Paul say this, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death? So the grace is the fact that we have an enemy that's too powerful for us, sin and death. But the power of God delivers us from the enemy that we cannot overcome. And then one more word, verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. The word remit, financial term. It means to pay the bill. To pay the bill, the remission of sins. You see, there's a penalty. There's a bill we couldn't pay. Our sin left us in debt. If you remember, this morning I said that we're saturated with sin. Every every human saturated with sin. Uh, not only by our nature, but we sin. We sin lots of times. One sin would disqualify us. We have more than one sin, don't we? That sin demands a price that we can't pay. And when Jesus died on the cross, he simply offered to pay in full the bill that we owed rightfully for our sins. Now, when you look at all these words, when you look at, of course, redemption, and you look at deliverance, and you look at, of course, remission, all of these are wrapped up in that one word, grace. You see, justice is what we would rightfully be expected to pay. Grace is God stepping in and said, let me take care of that. I can pay that bill because you can't. And so when we look at the Christmas story, even in the words of the name of John and the song that followed by Zacharias, we get some very deep theology of who Jesus is and what Jesus would come to do. Is there anything before we continue in the service? If not, we will go into the business meeting at this time, and of course,